0: that you did something sound different it's a little a little a little different kit to the music the intro music today i think what's what's that about mm. something special going mm. on that there. is very interesting that must be a special <laughs> episode huh this is this is different but it's kind of a oh, vibe like now, it, isn't it? It? so what's what's going on why is this why is it such a special guy? well well first all, i need to say thank you to my best mate mr morrison for sorting this out for me but yeah, Yuri, if you listen carefully, that sounds like uh, something that was composed by Noel Gallagher. How
1: about interesting. that? Interesting. Very
0: interesting. Mm. Mm. You, have you heard of him before by any I've that, name. Yeah, I think he <laughs> I think him and his brother wrote a couple songs or something like that. And I don't know. I think they used to, used to kick around Manchester a bit when I was younger. I don't know. I've, I've heard the name. Eh? Yeah well, yeah, some, yeah Something like that Something like that But yeah It's um, it's good man Like it was getting A lot of traction On social media What's the social media Handle Kickback underscore Needham At Instagram And Twitter yeah, That's right That's a fact That's yeah. a fact Yes yeah. so It's been getting A bit of traction On there So I guess this means That lots of people Are going to be tuning in Listen I hope so I mean, if, if if this doesn't pick the numbers up, I don't know what will, uh, to be honest. <laughs> hey, yo, 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 you made it seem like the numbers were low. Don't be like that. <laughs> Listen, this is our show. If you're on it, that means your numbers are low as well. <laughs> oh, cool. So how did you find uh, it? It was really good, nice. you know. It was really, really good. Like, for I'm the same as you. Like, this is this is a musical icon. And then if you've got an association with City, you know, you you've heard him talk about his love for the club yeah. and all this stuff. And it's, it's weird. Like even though you know I played football as a pro, like I'm still starstruck. <laughs> I'm speaking, I was speaking to him and I was my jaw was on the floor. I was like, is this He's actually cool. happening? Did you break no, out into something at Like, did you hold back? Did I? No, 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 no. Not at all. I told I told him, I told him, well, no, I'm not gonna say too much. No, I nearly revealed <laughs> it all. No, 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 no. I'm, no, you guys gotta stay tuned for that. I'm not I'm not giving anything away. But it was it was very, very, very good. It was hard work to get, but it was very very good I'm awesome awesome well I I for one I'm a fan and I'm looking forward to hearing it um so yeah like I guess over over to you and 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 no yeah let's go let's go so ladies and gentlemen here is the uh, conversation with the legend that is Noel Gallagher hello Hello, could I speak to Mr. Noel Gallagher, please? (laughs) Fucking Mr. Noel Gallagher. Mr. Noel Gallagher, yeah. Isn't that how you like (laughs) to be addressed now? All right, mate, how are you? Yeah, very good, Paul. Yourself?
1: Yeah, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good. I like being called Mr. Yeah. More people should do that.
0: Well, listen, now you've said it, that's all it's going to be. You will be Mr. (laughs) for the rest of your life. How are you, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm very very good, mate. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. I've been really looking forward to it. Where are you? I'm, Where are in, you? I'm in North Manchester. I'm in. I'm in Middleton. Do you know it?
1: Uh, I, yeah, kind of. Yeah, Sounds yeah. We we'll tend not to go That's bandit country.
0: <laughs> Do you know what it actually is? It literally is. But you know, this is probably one of the safest places to hide. You're not a footballer, but you're right. just the same as everybody else. That's the beauty of it.
1: All right. Good. So your podcast. How long's this been going on?
0: Um, it's been just over two years. I've done no nearly a hundred episodes, and it's uh yeah it's, it's great i've really enjoyed it to be fair like hearing some great great stories and it's one of those where the less i talk the better the episodes are so you get the right <laughs> guest it's fantastic yeah
1: right oh cool man all right well um right did you watch the game last night uh, yeah
0: i did yeah i did, did, you, what did you,
1: i thought we, i thought we played pretty well do
0: you know what I, i'm i'm i agree with you like the i didn't leave the game thinking psg are really good i left the game thinking like psg have got Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe. Oh, Messi. Yeah, like Messi's yeah. the difference. But City, I thought City dominated overall. So I'm happy with that. I'm not gonna cry about it. Like City are really, really good. Really, really good.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like saying to my
0: mates last night. I was like, you know what? If you're gonna get beat, that's the way to get beat.
1: And yeah. but Sunday's some, more important anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course, so we, yeah, of course. So we can, we can claw that back in the Champions League until we eventually get knocked out in the semi <laughs> Well,
0: Shane, hey, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> are you ready for it? Uh, say a few words. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm gonna be extremely honest about this from start to finish. And for me, you know, it's more than a pleasure, it's an honor because like you are Noel Gallagher, you are No Gallagher of Music, you are No Gallagher of Man City. And we're gonna talk about Man City and all this stuff, but I have a little musical connection which I'll get to in a bit. But okay. I, ne- I can't go any further without actually trying <laughs> to uh firstly say congratulations, because it's been ten years of No Gallagher's High Flying Birds, has it not?
1: That's right, yeah.
0: And That's you had right, a yeah. recent album release, Back the Way We Came, Volume One. Emphasis on the volume one. And obviously it went to number Jack. one in the charts, obviously. Is that That's
1: right? That's right, yeah, yeah. It was a ten year ten year
0: retrospective. Yeah, I was quite surprised that it went to number one if I'm being honest. Like, what does that matter to you? That's number one stuff after all these years. Yeah,
1: yeah, it never gets old, mate. You know, if you if you come from where we come from and brought up the way we we were brought up, it's like those days, they're good days. Do you know what I mean? Because it kind of validates what you do, and it's great for everybody that works for you because they kind of work hard on getting these records out, particularly in a pandemic and all that. And yeah. uh, for it to go to number one was it was a good day, and we celebrate. And we
0: celebrate those days still. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and how do you know how many you've got off the top of your head? Number ones. Mm. Uh, well, I'm actually a world
1: record holder. Oh. Did you know this? But <laughs> oh my I've, goodness. Uh, what a flex. <laughs> I've, uh, so back the way we came was my 12th. There's, as a single songwriter, no one's ever had 12 number one albums in a row. So this is my 12th in a row wow. going back to Oasis. And, uh, I know it's a world record because I held the world record at 11 wow. and at 10. So, wow. um, it's uh yeah it's in the it's, it's a world record so I'm, I'm pretty chuffed about that so uh and yeah i mean it never even like even like yesterday an, al- an album that i put out my last proper album which came out four years ago that has just managed to go platinum so
0: congratulations
1: uh, i got i so so I, after four years i got the call yesterday and it was a good day because i'm ringing around the band and everybody involved saying oh you're gonna get a platinum disc and they're all chuffed because i don't get that many of them and i've got hundreds of them <laughs> um but, it's, but it but it's uh it's you know it's like giving your kids christmas presents on christmas morning and seeing their faces light awesome. up. so so yesterday was a good
0: day too so it's that, all good that's awesome and i'm guessing the fact that you called it volume one suggests that there might be some more plaques and number ones to come or is this just a little tease well
1: well no 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 because it's such a great title i couldn't believe it had never been it had never been used before and i mean i i plan on been going for another ten years and I was like, I'm not coming up with another title as good as that. So I'll just put that volume one and for every one I put out I'll be volume two volume three. So oh,
0: I've been lazy. Yeah, I like I can see that. And with this one then, so this is would you call it a compilation or how would you describe it, this this current album? It's
1: it's a it's a it's a best of like a, a best of the last ten years, yeah.
0: And do you think the fans would have picked the same tracks to be the best that you've picked or have you just got a different ear for it all? Uh
1: no that I'd say if fans picked it, it would have been longer and there would have been about four or five tunes on there that they would have picked. But they, they, the ones they would have picked are quite obscure kind of B-sides. And really, what you're doing with best-ofs, I, I I don't know what you were like with buying records, but when I was growing up, I couldn't afford to buy a lot of music. Yeah. So I would just go to the record shop and buy the, a, a best-of yeah. and get into it that way. Yeah. So what you're doing... How I see best of is is you're leaving little postcards for future generations. So mm. in like 30 years' time, someone mentions my name or High Flying Birds and they'll go into a record shop. If people still do go into record shops, um, they'll they'll get the best of and it'll be a compilation and then they'll go back and check the albums out because that's how I got into music, you
0: know? Yeah, that's that's awesome. And to be fair, I, I I am a bit younger than you, but I did buy records. I did used to go into record shops. So I felt that and not having a lot of money and trying to buy something like you needed to make sure you picked the right thing because it's not like you could return well, it or just delete it, could you?
1: It's crucial, you know, and I grew up in the 70s and 80s and it was, you know, you didn't, you were kind of, you could afford to buy maybe one record a month, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Less Far less download on your phone, but, and it was crucial. So I just... I exclusively just had best ofs. I had you know, the best of Fleetwood Mac and the best of Jimi Hendrix and mm. the best of the Beatles and the best of Stones. And then gradually you'd, you'd find out what these tracks were, what albums they were from, and then you'd go back and check that out. So... Yeah, it's the way I got into it, and uh, I'm kind of leaving that for future generations to get into, really.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And I do have that best of Jimi Hendrix as well, and that is uh that's, that's proper. Yeah. <laughs> so to talk about your ultimate your older albums, then to talk about an album which you make from scratch, especially <clears throat> someone who is a songwriter, you know, like a creator and so on, at the beginning of it, like the process, is it? What does that feel like? Is that like a daunting thing, or is it just like a feeling of excitement?
1: Um. <clears throat> Well, it's changed. Um, uh, when I first started with Oasis, you know, we didn't have a we didn't have a record deal, uh, and half of it, I guess, was already written before we had a record deal. So we were just for ourselves in the rehearsal room and doing like little tiny gigs around Manchester, mm. uh, like local band nights. So I, <clears throat> I never really felt that I was writing an a, an album. Uh, and then the big one, Morning Glory, that that was written on the definitely maybe tour and I'd written, I'd written the bulk of it most of it before I got to the studio. When I struggled, I started to struggle after that, okay. after I ran out of that initial burst of songs that I, in, I wrote in my early twenties. And then it came to be here now. And uh, I had no songs. And I, I, Well, not I had a few, but uh, then I had to write an which I knew the world was going to shine a light on and pick it apart. Mm. And I kind of, what I did was, I just thought, oh, fuck it, that'll do. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was on a holiday at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, it took me quite a few years to get that back. But it is, like now, <clears throat> I'm in a constant state of writing all the time. Okay. Um, so when I, like for instance, I'm, I'm making a new record at the minute, but I'm not, I don't just sit down and write one song at a time. I'm constantly, I'm in the process of writing like 12 songs at a time and they're all kind of half finished and I look at them every day and say, I'll go oh Well, that needs a second verse. So I'll, I'll, mm. I'll tinker a bit with that and then maybe move on to the next one. So, but that's the beauty of creating, uh, it's forever changing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Some songs that, some songs I will write all in one go and will take me 40 minutes, you know, and they'll come from somewhere where I don't know, they just fall out of the sky and then some, you have to really work at and chip away at for a year or two. So it's, it's all different, you know,
0: Can I, can I drill down into that actually. So when you, you're, you're still creating now, you're trying to make a new record and so on and even other times something might just pop into your mind. Like, do you enjoy creating music or is it just something that you're incredibly good at? Oh no, I love it. It's the one thing,
1: I mean, bar family stuff and yeah. kids and all that, I'm watching them grow up that, I mean, that goes without saying, it's the greatest thing I, I think I've, I could ever wish for me to do is to, is to make something out of nothing mm. and then to go in a studio and then hear it fully formed, and then like the payoff is when you play it on stage and people start singing it back mm. to you. I mean, it's a it's a great. I mean, I, luckily, I mean, I I know people who are in my position who don't particularly enjoy it. I guess for you it would be like footballers who don't particularly like football. you yeah. know what I mean, there's like a few of those about. They don't watch it. They don't read about it. Yeah. But they're really good at it. You know yeah. what I mean? So there are musicians who are really great at what they do, but they're not. They don't. They don't really. They, they're good at what they do and and they do it because they're good at it. Yeah. I mean, I I do it because I'm obsessed with it. I mean, I love it. I love it. I love, I I just love the creative process and everything that comes with that. You Mm. know, I I like uh, the critical acclaim that it gets and the criticism that it gets, you know what I mean? Because it makes you think about it and makes you think you do things differently the next time. So, it's all good do you Keep not take
0: you do you not take that personally though say when you do create something at times which is so personal to you in terms of the words and the structure and stuff like this, like if somebody criticizes it, you know they're they're being critical of a one of one you know this doesn't fit in with everything else this is a one of one like how do you cope with that really
1: uh <clears throat> you get used to it, you get used to it um but you know it's just like na- now uh but it's like like in the nineties, there was the music press or the newspapers and that was it. And, and, and the reviews kind of actually meant something. Right. But now with social media, everybody's a critic. Yeah. So now I didn't, I didn't get a laptop or a computer or an iPhone or anything until about 20, uh, 2012 or something like that. I just wasn't interested in it. And, I remember getting a laptop and saying to my missus, "So what's 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 this YouTube thing all about?" And I, <laughs> and I and I was staggered by the people commenting on stuff like videos of yours and songs and all that. And I've learned, I learned very quickly. It's like if you want to feel good about yourself, what you've done, don't be going on social media yeah. looking at what people are going to say about it. Mm. You know. So uh, the I'm always quite. On the day that I put a record out, I'm always a thousand percent sure that it's great. Now, that might change as a tour goes on when the songs some songs are not working and others are. Mm. But on the day you can only be you can only be into it on the day and then let it go and move on. You know what I mean? It's just like it's just like a thing that either grows or dies. And some records are more successful than others and nobody quite knows why. But you know, if it was my last ever, if somebody said to me now that this record that you're making now is my is your last ever statement to the world, and it got slagged off, I'd be really upset. Yeah. But I know there's going to be another one in a few years, so yeah. it's just you know they're just they're just statements of where you are musically, and then you drop it. And
0: then you move on. That sounds so That's mature. It. Sounds like the most yeah. mature person well, am, on planet Earth. Well, I'm
1: fifty five. Well, yeah, that, that is
0: true. <laughs> that is true. So here's my um, here's my confession because you were talking about songwriting and you've mentioned some of the classics that you've made. So for people listening, not many people know this, but I used to play bass guitar when I was in school. And I used Get to and I used to jam along to um to Oasis. And even in the last lockdown, like with my family on the room, I'd be playing my bass guitar whilst your songs were playing in the background. So for me to be able to speak to you today, like this is really big, you know what I mean? Like I'm singing oh, great, along to great. all this stuff like I'm a proper fanboy. Like what a loser, but I'm a proper fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so still
1: uh, it's great it's great that you still play because a lot of people that learn at school they yeah. they kind of and that don't end up in bands or whatever yeah. they just kind of let it slide and they just they, they fall out of love with it and be, yeah. you know because obviously playing an instrument it's a lifetime's yeah. dedication like I've got my 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 youngest Kid now, son, his uh, sonny, is ten, and he's uh, in a band at school. And um, I'm, you know, I just don't, I just hope that he keeps up because sometimes you can start too young and kind of yeah. fall out of love with it when mm. you're twenty, you know, because other, other like girls come along and mm. smoking and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, I look at him now and he's really enthusiastic about it, and you know, he thinks he's going to be a rock star, and it's like, mate, that's one like, percent oh, But I just <laughs> hope because the enjoyment that you get out of playing an instrument can't be overstated. I I can drift off for hours playing the guitar and be in another universe. And then when I put it down, you're back in the real world. And, you know, so it's kind of, it saved my, my teenage and youth years. You know, I was, I was kind of locked in, not locked in a bedroom, but in a bedroom kind of playing along to New Order and Joy Division.
0: Yeah. The Beatles and all that. And it kept me off the streets and getting into major trouble, you know? Mm. You know, with me in terms of my bass guitar, like you said, I was learning in- instrument at school. I wasn't because I was somebody who came in late, so I wasn't classically trained. I was just picking up tab. I was just looking for tabs online to try and figure out how to play this, how to play that. And that feeling which you mentioned about learning, playing an instrument being incredible, maybe it's because it's bass guitar, but when you form part of a collective and you hear the sound all come together, like that feeling is, yeah. Oh, it's, well, this, so I was <clears throat> back in, in like the, like
1: late 80s, I was kind of, I was playing guitar at home and I loved it and I had no ambitions at all. I was a roadie for In Spiral Carpets and I was kind of travelling the world and setting up their gear and uh, worked in their office um, uh, just near the Etihad actually. And I thought that's me, it'll do me. I've got to see the world mm. and um, it's I'm in the music business in some kind of limited degree, but that was great. And then, but well, I always loved playing the guitar and writing songs. And then when our kid asked me to join his band i think for the first rehearsal i didn't even i didn't even play many of my songs i was kind of jamming along to theirs but the day that i kind of said you know liam was going yeah play play these one of your tunes and played it and everybody joined in that was the moment where this light bulb came on and i was like actually this is amazing you know what i mean this is incredible when you and when i say to kids it would you know they singer songwriter sitting in their bedrooms, I'm like, you only get good by playing with other people. Yeah. You shouldn't play on your own. Mm. You know, if you find a like-minded person, whether it be, it doesn't even have to be an, a singer, it can just be like a drummer or a better, like just another guy is on your wavelength, that's when things will start happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, But yeah, that moment when you get in a room with other people is, is I mean... Especially. Better than
0: any drug I've ever had, I'll tell you that. <laughs> here's, a, here's a little side thing for you, which I don't get. So in terms of people in the real world and real human beings, like I'd probably say 90% of people don't even like the sound of their own voice. So how is it that somebody can not only... Like, do you listen to yourself back and think, yeah, that sounds great, or you're always overly critical because you're thinking, is this how it's supposed to sound? Because it's not how I pictured
1: it. Uh, okay. I don't think I've ever, even back in the o- Oasis days, when I didn't sing that much, I couldn't really... I mean, I listen to Daughter Back in Anger Now when it's on the radio, and I couldn't really sing then. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, when I sing it now, it's completely different, okay. and I'm a better singer now. And that was that was just due to practice, do you know what I mean? So yeah. back back then, I didn't really sing that many songs, and the ones that I did sing, I don't remember... At the time, thinking, "Oh, this is a bit crap." I remember thinking, "This is amazing." Mm. Um, but looking when I when I when I when I hear them now, I think, "Oh, you know, I wish I was singing it tomorrow." Because the more that you sing, the better you become. But um, I think I think what it is is with singers, they get really insecure about their voice because they've got one job. Yeah. Like I'm I, I'm a bit of an all rounder, right? I can play everything, and I'm I can I write it. And produce it and arrange it and I can sing it I can play it and all that so the singing now it's just a component of the bigger picture right mm. but when you're when you're a singer so it's like me with funnily enough I'm not when I play guitar now in the studio it's the thing that I take the most time over because I don't like the way I play guitar so I get a little bit insecure about it because all the people in my band and probably Every guitarist I've ever met, they're all better than me, but I'm a composer, do you know what I mean? That's how I see myself. Mm. So when I'm kind of – I have to play guitar because I don't want to stand there and sing like Liam, you know. Mm. So um, I have to play guitar, and I'm I'm average at best. So I guess it's the same kind of thing with singers being really insecure about their voice. So Mm. I can understand it.
0: Yeah, I I totally get that. So today then, what's the best thing about being – no Gallagher, the rock star. Today is a you say you're fifty-five. Fifty four. Fifty-four. Sorry. Sorry, mate. Sorry, no, mate. My, year, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I'll take that back. I'll take that back. <laughs> yeah, what's what what's the best thing about you in your life now?
1: Um uh, well, my i I'm still really enthusiastic about what I do. I haven't got jaded by the music business mm. at all. You know, I'm I'm making a record now and I'm I kind of I kind of Get into the studio and I'm in a and I and I'm ready for it. Do you know what I mean? And I and I want to make it work. And this is just me on my own. My, my band are not even involved yet. I'm just at the writing stage. So when the band get involved, it's even better because you know they're hearing the tunes for the first time and they're going, "Oh, this is great. Oh, I really like that one." And so you kind of and then it and then it starts to take uh, on a different shape. But I'd say the best thing is the fact that I'm still into it. Yeah. You know? I mean. Obviously, we take aside kids and family and all that. Uh, I'd say it's the fact that I'm still into it and I skip into work every morning. Possibly, I'd say I'm more into it now than I ever was. Wow. Than I ever was.
0: Is that because you've got more control? Yes. Right. And how, to, yes. that's, I mean, how, how do I've you... I've got my... I mean, I've, well, I, I'm on...
1: I, all my records are on my record label that yeah. I fund. It's not affiliated to any major. So it's all... I, I do it all from top to bottom. Mm. And that gives me the... The um that gives me the um I'm in an enviable position where I can just work at my own pace. So if I like my last proper record is four years ago. If I was on a major record label, they'd be pushing for a new record now. They'd want it now. Yeah. Like mine isn't like I've given myself till twenty twenty three to put another record out because I did a lot of touring over the last ten years and I just wanted to take a step back and be at home. My kids are growing up. You know, I went away on the last tour, right? And I've got a my lad, my eldest son, he was a boy when I went when I went when I went away on tour. I come back two years later and I watch and think he's got a tash. <laughs> yeah. And he call, and, and yeah. he called me bruv. Yeah. I was like, What? <laughs> what? Hang on a minute. Like, Whoa, what? Dad. He's like, Yeah, yes, bruv, he's got a little tash. And I'm like, oh. Well, I've been away too long, mate. I <laughs> it's taking a bit of time out
0: here. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. I see that. And I as well suppose as then this is gonna it's going to be probably the answer to my next question because as a 54-year-old male, rock star essentially creating music, like your music has changed across the years, but it's not changed in line with how music has changed overall. So why mm. I was going to ask, like, how well you've, you've kind of explained it now, but I was going to ask, how have you managed to be able to be yourself in this industry that seems to be ever-changing? It- uh
1: Well, I think me and Liam... We're lucky enough that we had something in the 90s that really has stood the test of time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, right? This is a weird thing, right? <clears throat> if we'd have dressed like American rock stars with the leather keks on and all that and looked like Guns and Roses, mm. right? It doesn't travel well. Yeah. But my mate, my mate summed it up uh, down here once. He said, you know you were just rock stars in coats mm. and, and you'll always look like yourself. So you don't tend to, you don't tend to look that old. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we weren't, we were just, we just, we dressed how we dressed and that was it, mm. you know? And uh, we just like everyone else in Manchester, as, as you know. Yeah. And so it's not like we were wearing these flamboyant outfits. And then when you get to a certain age, you start to look ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think, and this is a, Component, a lot of it is the hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Once yeah. the hair starts, if you have like a flamboyant hairstyle, like Russell Brand, for
0: instance, yeah. and yeah. that
1: starts going, it's like, mate, you're in trouble. Yeah. Then you got to wear a hat. Yeah. Right? And, no, and no one's into a geezer on
0: stage in a hat. But if you've got good air, you're flying. You can pull it off. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely flying, aren't you? Yeah. And within that, I feel like something which you're kind of alluding to is when you have your own style, you don't need to follow fashion. Because your own be style can yeah. lot, can be and, uh, yeah,
1: well yeah I mean we had, and we had our own musical style for what it was, um, you know and, and that Oasis oh, thing is still growing you know what I mean we've done a documentary that's out now and it's the mm. it's one of the highest grossing films in England at the moment so there's still an appetite for it yeah. and it's just uh, it's a magical thing you know we're both very very proud of what of what we did but it you know it's time to move on and we've done other things and the and and that's good you know what I mean I've had since I left Oasis, I've had four number one albums, you know. And Liam's had, I don't know how many he's had, but um, you know. So we've got to be thankful that the thi- that that initial explosion has has served us well for nearly 30 years now.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, that is that is crazy. But now we're gonna get in and we're gonna talk about football because we mm. everybody listening knows that you like your football, okay? Oh yeah. And I'll start off this by saying I think most footballers if they couldn't be a footballer and they could choose to be something they'd either say they want to be a golfer or like a big rock star pop star musician something like that because it seems like it's a dream lifestyle but how from somebody from your side would you have ever wanted to be a footballer
1: well of course i mean you know at school before i could play the guitar i was even any good at it you know we're all we all dreamt of scoring the the winner in the FA Cup final against United. You mm. know, what I mean, all of us. Mm. But music took over for me. But you know, I've spoken to a few footballers about this, and it's um, a rock star represents himself, yeah, right? and lives by his own rules. Mm. And as a long career, if you get it right, you can have a fifty-year career. A footballer is rep- has to represent the club yeah. and the supporters and has got to be pretty much clean living, mm. and has got, if you all are lucky, 12 years at the top. That's yeah. even if you get to the top. Yeah. Now, a top footballer today in his 12-year career will probably earn more money than I have. I, I don't think I was ever getting paid half a million quid a week. Yeah. We well, so know now. Early- <laughs> uh, no, well maybe at the height but it can't but it kind of levels off yeah you know of me? course yeah this lad this lad harland right he's what what is he 19 20 something he,
0: 20? like that yeah if that
1: Yeah. right now he's going to be earning when he finally comes to england he's going to be earning half a million quid a week for the next 12 years yeah oh, so fuck, i mean that is some career right but he ain't going to be going out partying no now he might do twice twice a year, mm. he ain't gonna be he's not gonna travel the world very much. He's gonna have to be an athlete. Mm. And rock stars and athletes are the polar opposite of each other. Yeah. You know, I we we're expected to stay up to four o'clock in the morning, fall out of night <laughs> covered with birds and drugs and all that. If they do that, like Balotelli tried to Balotelli tried to combine the two. Yeah, and exactly. And he didn't and he, did, and he didn't last very long time. exactly.
0: Exactly. That's that's so interesting. So Let's talk about um, you as a man city fan because you know you're one of the most high profile if not the most high profile man city fan, but being in Manchester when you were like why did you choose city over Man United because surely it would have been a lot easier to go for united over city
1: uh, i won't lie to you there were there were there were long periods in the '90s where I wish <laughs> you were united fans. but i was bo- I was born in Longside, yeah and uh, the training ground was about a mile from my house okay and uh, city was my local team you know that was the that was the team that my dad took us to see now my dad used to go to United City and he worked all around the Northwest and he went to see Liverpool and he was a top football supporter but he didn't really have uh, a team but as you well know once you go to one of those clubs yeah and, you, and you let it slip in the playground yeah you're a blue and that's the end of it. And Mm. there is no changing. So he took me to my first game. It was 1974. It was at Main Road, obviously we were at home to Newcastle and we beat Newcastle four or five one. And I just remember the the goal that Newcastle scored because it's by Malcolm Yeah, And, uh, that was it, you know, you're a city fan and you're a city fan for life. Mm. And I could see the, could see the floodlights from Main Road from my bedroom growing up. Mm. Um, so they were just always my team and that was it. And, it was it was great in the 70s and 80s although we didn't win much apart from the league cup then in the 90s it was brutal yeah, it was yeah.
0: just yeah let brutal let's, you know, as, let's, you, as you well know you were there yeah, you know? yeah let's go through let's go through some of that if possible because like in your 20s then you you're supporting city in the 90s basically and with all due respect it's one of the worst versions of city in recent memory let's just say that But why why did you enjoy it? Because around those times, to be fair, I was a ball boy as well. So I was seeing it. I was seeing the stuff at Main Road. I was seeing the games against Berry, losing 2-0 to them at home, all that jazz. And I enjoyed it just because I was in the academy. I was seeing first-team football. I was allowed in the stadium was learning about the team's history. But, like, did you you enjoy that period or did you just survive that period?
1: No, no. uh, Enjoyment. I'm not sure whether it, it, it was... It's just what... It's just what you did. They were football. We didn't have. Wasn't famous and didn't have the music then. Uh, in the early. Oh no! Actually, yeah. It was just our team and all my all my mates. but I'd say, a percentage. I'd say, if I take a percentage of my mates who are United fans. I'd say it's about ten percent. And I'm being, I'm being probably uh, gracious to that. It's probably less. So most of my friends are all City fans. Yeah. So it was a chance to see them all. You know, I remember when we were in the third division and, you know, Oasis was uh, uh, that year where we came up from the third division. The only time we'd see our mates would be at, like, York away Mm. or Wickham away, you Mm. know. And um, there was the gallows humour and the fact that you know, I'd grown up on the Kipax, You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I wasn't going to desert my club for nobody. You know, yeah. and it was a it, it became a thing with City fans. The the more frustrating it got, the more people came along. Yeah. Which is it's ironic when you now when you were when you hear the Ferrari what there was a couple of weeks ago yeah. about the people attending matches. Yeah, like the better we've got, the less the less it seems important to go to the games. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's a funny thing with City fans. I tell you now, if Man City. Over the next five years, end up in the championship. I guarantee you that stadium will be sold out every week. I
0: guarantee it. Do you you think that's, um, do you think some of that for, say, older style City fans is to do with, say, identity? Because maybe, maybe, and this isn't for everyone, maybe some people feel more comfortable when things aren't going great. Like they they will be on board when things are going great, but it almost feels more natural for when things aren't going well. Well, uh, you're
1: right. I remember. Another high-profile City fan, Ricky Atten, saying to me once, "You know, just won second title and blah blah. blah you know, uh, I just want the old City back." And I was like, "Mate, <laughs> it sounds crazy, punched, yeah." I, I know you've been punched in the mouth for a living for a long time, right? But <laughs> seriously, go and have a lie down. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want York? You want York rocking up here on a Friday night? Are you Mate. mad? Yeah. You know, but but there is a healthy. Section of city fans who who love the old city. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it they was... love it because they don't I, don't. I don't. know what it is. I don't know whether they 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 can't express joy in any way, and they they'd rather they'd rather be uh, they'd rather have the melancholy kind of sadness to their to their football. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is. I mm. mean, I, I'm like bring it. Look more. Like we we need more money, more players. We need more <laughs> You're all in.
0: We need, yeah,
1: we need it all you know what I mean I want it all in my lifetime yeah and I... the fact and the fact that it came along when uh, I was in my 40s has made it only better because I, you know we all the guys from my generation we all knew instinctively knew that actually something great is going to happen here. we're going yeah. to win something we yeah. are yeah and uh, of course we won it all by the Champions League now so yeah good.
0: that's yeah, there's so many interesting points to jump on in the back there. But here's one thing for you. So you mentioned you were no that was in the Kipax. But as time passed, have you ever sort of missed the chance to essentially go to a game and be just another face in the crowd? Or do you actually enjoy doing it from the way that you do it now?
1: Every game I go to, I wish I was just another fan. Because, <clears throat> for example, the Champions League final, when the final... I was sat near the Chelsea fans. Yeah. So I'm the most recognisable without being big-headed, and the most recognisable city fan. And it's not a nice feeling when there's a good five, six thousand of them like chanting your name. You know, I just wish I was just another guy. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I took my lad to um, to the first game of this season. My young lad, who's a bit more into it than his older brother, he he wanted to go on the terraces. So he wanted to go in the city. And so it's like, right, this season, we're going to go in with the fans. And he loved it. Within 10 minutes, he was stood on a chair, giving the Tottenham fans the <laughs> finger. I've never, I don't think I've ever felt so proud. <laughs> and, uh, but there's a procession of city fans from the minute you walk in, they just want a picture. I want a picture. I want a picture. And it gets to be a bit of a bun fight. And he was getting a bit like, there's just all these guys kind of jostling. So that gets a bit annoying but you kind of got to balance it out and think, well, I don't like going in corporate boxes. Yeah. You present, do you know what I mean? It presents its own kind of, you're yeah. still getting, you're still getting photographed in a box, but it's by posh people in ties. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I'd actually rather be with the lads that I grew up with mm. on the, on, on the terraces because that's what football is all about. Mm. But yeah, but there are times when, I, you know, when after the champions league final, you know, I'm walking around, London where I live it's just every taxi driver up to be a Chelsea fan for about two weeks so my, they're winding windows down Roy Roy, 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 Roy. Like, oh yeah you know so um that can be that can be annoying but really I don't think I'd have it any other way to be honest
0: yeah I, I, I get that I get that um so like Ricky Hatton was saying you know he wishes he could have his club back and all this stuff and do you think it's even possible for where City were to be where they are now and still be the same because I feel like everything, in some ways, has to change. But for cities, change so quickly that maybe that's why some people aren't comfortable with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it only it could have only changed through money. Yeah, you know, let's be frank. Be frank about this. If yeah, the shake doesn't rock up, you know, we are where Newcastle are, yeah. or maybe 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 a bit above that, right? Um, and so, I just want to. Yeah, I mean, it didn't. It didn't when. Uh, Shinawatra came in, and you know, we got Sven, and then there was the upward trajectory of the club. I was like, This is great, this is yeah, this is more like it. City are now not an embarrassment, we're we're getting somewhere, yeah. Um, but there is, there is a, there is a, yeah, there is a fact that your club becomes so modern, and you know, these modern corporate clubs that it's it does kind of move away from the, the working man in the street, but I will say every football club is like that. Yeah. It's not just city, mm. you know, and the, and the more, the bigger that you get, the more commercial you become, the more commercial you become, the more the expense is put on the fans. But, you know, if, if someone's earning 350 grand a week, you know, someone's got to pay for it. Yeah. You know, and it's usually the fans and actually city are not one of the worst city, are one of the best clubs for looking after the supporters. I won't yeah. say that. Mm. Um, and the match day experience is pretty good at City. So I don't know. And when there was the Ferrari about, you know, should fans attend? Oh, Pep said what he said and blah, 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 and all that. <clears throat> you know, people have to understand, you know, people up in the Northwest, they, you know, there's a pandemic on. People are out of work. Yeah. They can't afford to go to every single game. Yeah. You know, and in a way, Guardiola was right. We'd all love to see the Etihad 60,000 absolutely throbbing every game. Mm. We'd love it unfortunately, that's not possible. But the other fella from the supporters club, he shouldn't have chipped in either because he's throwing fuel on the fire and he might want to stick to Pep.
0: Stick to coaching. coaching. wow. I couldn't believe what I was reading.
1: Yeah, well, uh, all right. Well, should he have stuck to coaching when when Pep was going on about the Super League? No. Should he have stuck to coaching when he was going on about the way that UEFA treat us? No. So the guy from the supporters club, he should stick to working out the coaches and the planes and making sure the sandwiches are evenly split between vegetarian and meat eaters and vegans mm. in the modern world, mm. right? And let Pep is not just a coach. He's the figurehead of our club. Yeah. And what he said, he didn't say the fans that come along are shit or they're not loud enough. He just said, we'd like to see more people. Yeah. Me and you would like to see more people yeah. in that stadium. Yeah, for sure. You know, sure. so the other guy from the supporters club, he shouldn't have chirped up but anyway we move on yeah. and um but yeah people haven't got a lot of money they yeah. haven't got a lot of money and they shouldn't be expect just because united gets seventy two thousand wh- whatever who you know who cares you know what i mean it's like we we, we i don't think we were ever a sixty thousand seater club anyway yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. i think f- you know 50 is our limit when they when they built the big stand behind one of the nets and they were gonna do the other one it's like no oh, don't do that yeah you know, you'd rather would rather five thousand locked outside than ten thousand empty seats. Yeah, yeah. Now th- yeah. thankfully that that idea got shelved and um it is what it is now. So, but you know, yeah, for me and for most of us, it's like I get stick off United fans and United players that I know about yeah. you know, filling the ground and all that. And it's like, yeah, but filling the trophy cabinet is more important. <laughs> I don't care about filling the ground.
0: That's a that's a fact actually. I don't,
1: Yeah, I don't care who's not there. I care about who is there and what's going in the
0: trophy cabinet. That's it. Yeah, and lo and behold, that city's rise kind of coincided with United's fall. So for all those years where we're getting (laughs) battered by United fans, like I I don't, Mm. they talk, they talk up now, but there's no real foundation to be able to speak. But it's so interesting the club as it is now because. As you've alluded to there, there's lots of change, and like if you want to, if you're going to be successful investing players and all this stuff, then you're in the, you're in line to become to be growing as a club. But you're not just one of the biggest clubs in the world because of the fans that are in Manchester that support the team. Like you're one of the biggest mm. clubs in the world because you're now accessible to the whole world and there's huge interest in it. Like I was in America for two years, and the amount of like people who are getting on board with City now. So then for City, in terms of the way that they do things, they're sort of trying to cater to everybody. But the everybody's changed from, say, people within an hour of the stadium to now people mm-hmm. who can access them on any sort of social media platform. So it's a it's a tough thing. But I would I would say to people who get frustrated, like it's not just happening at City. Like this is of what course. football this is what football is. This is what
1: football is. Look, if you're one of the top if you're actually one of the top teams in the Premier League Right, the Premier League is such a monster around the world. You know, I, I, when I go on tour, I travel the world all, all over the place. You see city kits in the most bizarre of places, mm. like Japan and Ecuador and you know, South America and L.A. and, you know, Moscow. Now, we'd all love, right, 11 Phil Foden's, yep. right, Manchester lads, right, uh, winning the Champions League, blah, blah, blah. But that, you're not living in the real world. You're not living in the real world. These lads have got to come from all over the world. And Man City is not just a local club anymore. It's a global business as part of the Premier League, which is this massive, massive thing, you know. So it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's like I I I kind of get the you know you want to see Helen ringing the bell and all that. Well, we all grew up with that. We mm. all we all loved. Uh, main road, and we all love the kit packs and all that. But it's you know we had to we had to move and we had to move on up, and mm. we did. And thank God we're winning now. And um, you know I think I think the the disgruntled fan will become less and less. And and if that you know and uh, if if they feel the club is moving
0: further away from them, then I'm afraid
1: there's not a great deal we can do to stop it.
0: Yeah, I would say I would arguably say that it's not just the club. I say it's football. Football's moved yeah, to a place yeah, yeah. whereby, oh yeah, yeah, you know what sure. I mean. So there's nothing else to latch onto, unless you really, really want to drop down through the leagues, because then maybe you'll yeah. have more of an experience. But then even still, that's changed in itself. Well, that's
1: well, that's why I mean one of one of the great pleasures that I do have when I go to City is get to hang out with Tommy Booth and Joe Corrigan and yeah. Mike Summerby and all, all the old guys. Now they were all on my bedroom wall, mm. and to get to hang out with them in, in the bar, uh, and, uh, it's great because the, the, the sense of humour they've got is amazing. And, um, and that's one of the good things about city is they keep all the old players involved, you know, mm. and you see Alex Williams, you know what I mean? He was yeah, in, when I was do, up yeah. against for the Southampton game, they always come and say hello and they're great lads, you know what I mean? Great working class lads and all that. And, um, they're still around the club and still working for the club, and that warms my heart. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, since uh, the club's been taken over, what would you say? Which moments have you enjoyed the most? Is whether it's the title, it's a game. What, what would you say you've enjoyed the most in that time?
1: Uh, <clears throat> well, it. Uh, I t- well, I was in. I was recording my first solo record in LA, and I've been there for two months. When we had to play United in the FA Cup semi-final mm. and I came home for the day from LA flew in for that match. and flew back again that night and my missus was going, you're flying home for a football match. So I was like, you, I can't begin to tell you how much of a special day this is to see city versus United yeah. at Wembley. This might never I mean, long be old. you know, like, this might never happen again. Yeah. And um, We sort of been three nil down within 10 minutes. We <laughs> ended up winning the game. Yeah. And, the best bit though was when the United end cleared uh, one of their idiot fans had left a flag draped over the thing it just said Man United the pride of Manchester and mm. we laughed our heads off right? Mm. because we knew then we were going to win the FA Cup Yeah. and uh, so there was, that day was like a turning point in the club's history yeah. and then watching Sergio score the goal I was on tour I watched it in a bar in Chile at 9 o'clock in the morning That I mean I cried my eyes out and yeah. then there's been gradual things after that, you know. Um, the, the day that Pep arrived was like, wow, this is this is really yeah. big time. Now. Yeah, this is sure. like, uh, I, I, before Pep arrived, I wanted him to come to England. I didn't care where he went, as long as he didn't go to United. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I followed that Barcelona team. I used to go and see him when I was traveling around Europe. Yeah. And it was an astonishing, astonishing way of playing. I remember seeing them a game when they played Arsenal in the Champions League, and I had to count the players to see if they had more men than eleven because <laughs> it was like it can't, they can't be, it can't be this good, it yeah. cannot be this good. And then for him to kind of rock up at City was like, oh wow. And then they asked me to. He's only ever done one sit-down interview in England. I've been the only person to interview him. Wow. I interviewed him the day the day he arrived wow. uh, for the City website, and uh, they was like, oh, will you do this interview? And I was like. Well, I'm on tour in Italy. I'm in kind of Rome, and they flew me in, and I did the interview and flew out, and I was like, I mean, it's such an honour to meet him, star." Mm. start. And then he's at, he's, at, he's at our club. Yeah. And uh, and then we need to see the great players arriving, who actually... What, what is a great thing about City is when... Well, they're considered great players now, right? But when Vinny arrived, and Sergio, and Yaya, and David Silva, there was no there was no like a uh, bun fight for these players who was going to sign them. Yeah. It was like, what really? you playing all that? much, David silver? Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, we, they made us a great club. And in turn, we made them great players, yeah. you know, and uh, there's been, it's not just a load of guys with a rucksack full of money, launching it all over the place. Mm. Cheeky, the guy, the guy that buys the players is a genius. Mm. He's a genius. You see some kids come through there, you know, when we bought De Bruyne for 50 odd million, there was a collective. Really? Chelsea got rid of him, blah, blah, blah. Look at him now, you mm-hmm. know. And um, so there's not there's not been a scattergun approach to buying players. We've got some of it wrong, of course, but we've got a lot of it. Yeah, a lot of a it lot right. Of right.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, you know, going to the Champions League final is something I thought I'd never do with City. And, you know, it turned out to be the wrong result and all that. But it was still a thrill, Yeah. you know, to be in a Champions League final. And I've got no doubt we'll be back at another one sooner or later. Yeah. Um but to, just to be take part in that final and actually think you had a chance of winning it and I think actually if we hadn't played an English team we would have won it that night. Mm. Um but yeah but it's been great and to be um yeah just to be part of it all and you know you get to know the players and kind of all that you get to be you know an old pet, a nice friend of mine so it's like it's I, I'm like a fan <laughs> yeah. I'm still like a proper move you know when, I, yeah, when yeah, you see yeah. him it's just like no way can't believe it. Mm. Um but yeah, it's a great it's a great thing to be involved in. For me personally,
0: it's amazing. Yeah, that everything you've said there is kinda of like how I feel, especially about the Pep thing. Because that Barcelona side was one of my favorites as well. Like one of my favorites of all time. So to see him come through that door and then for City as well across those years, to change the way that the club changed. Because, you know, I was I was at City when it, we were very indifferent to say the least you know this is the city where we mm. didn't score a goal at home after january and stuff like this yeah. I, nowadays mm. if they don't score a goal in one half it's like oh there's a crisis there's a crisis you know what i mean so it's it's, yeah, it's well, I, go on.
1: I remember i remember uh, there was a game i was watching on tv when uh, i think we were playing newcastle and elano scored that free yeah, kick free, it was like outrageous yeah and, and you you run towards the camera not you don't say it into the camera but you say it to the other players you go oh my god It's outrageous and, uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I and I was like, I think I said it at exactly the same time <laughs> you did. And you, and you were like, you were like, a, you were like one of the lads, you know yeah. what I mean? He was running up going, shit, man, did you yeah. see that?
0: Yeah, I you was know? right behind and, uh, it. I was right behind it. There's no way that should have gone in the top corner from 30 yards out. I was like, oh, It was
1: wow. a, a, one of the best goals I think I've ever seen. He absolutely, if no one's ever seen it and it doesn't deviate, it's no. a straight rocket into the top corner. Mm. Unbelievable goal. Mm. And I was just, it was so like, you were speaking for all the fans and you were just like, oh my
0: God. Yeah. <laughs> the, as, I'll, I'll be honest. I saw, I saw the club change and I saw the club change to become what it is now. And myself and lots of others, you know, we, we ended up leaving and all this stuff, but it was still a pleasure and honour and, t- and I saw it happen. I saw what I saw and I've seen some of the people that are still left at the club in terms of staff, in terms of players. And like, these are really, really good people. These are people you can fully, yeah, yeah. fully believe in you know and that's that's yeah. fantastic and to talk about my moment which stands out so all the title wins were great but it was the six. it was the six one at Old Trafford because say for mm. what Man United were after Fergie left people say yeah but they had this manager had that manager that was with Sir Alex Ferguson that really happened mm. and they got battered and from then like that's Hell probably yeah. the most memorable derby game I've ever seen and it happened at Old Trafford where United got absolutely destroyed which should which yeah. should never that- happen you know what I mean
1: well, no, I mean, we never used to beat them. No. Ever. And they had that banner up for years, which always used to wind me up. It's like, look, we're shit. We know it. You know it. Is there any need for that? You know what I mean? Um, and that's a significant day for me because I was in, it was my first ever gig as a solo artist. And I was in Dublin, right? And it was in uh, uh, it was in like a tiny club, only about 1,500 people. And uh, that was the day of the the day of the 6-1 and of course in Dublin it is full of United fans yeah full of United fans it was great to go on stage that night and just go yeah <laughs> yeah that was uh, and um, mm. but you know what? I still get that feeling I mean I was at I was at Stamford Bridge on Saturday right and this is why I love Guardiola going so on the way to the game my drive I can't drive right so I've got a driver and he's a Chelsea fan and he was saying oh you're I like, can't afford to lose today blah blah, blah and it's all about going on and and uh, Kind of sat in um, um with a mate of mine who's got a box there. We sat watching the teams come in, and you're like, you know what? For a game that we don't lose, he's come to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's come to win. He's front foot, yeah. And this is this is what I love about Guardiola. It's like it's do or die football. It's like if we if we if we don't win this game, we're going to get beat. We are not going to draw. Mm. And I love him for that. And I, that game on Saturday was for me. Was one of the best guys I think I've ever seen because they had to win it. Well, they had not to lose it, and they actually went and actually took the ball off Chelsea and said, "You're not having it." Yeah. And if you're not having it, you can't beat us. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, and they were like that last night for long periods. If it wasn't for the, you know, the mistake for a goal, yeah. a, couple of def- you know, a couple of deflections, <clears throat> and then
0: you know the messy goal. Yeah.
1: But wow, other goals, we were all right. I thought really, really good.
0: Yeah, I thought I thought see, we were really good as well. And you know, from the outside, people overreact and say, "Oh, they didn't score this against PSG." Blah blah blah. But well, for anybody who watches the game with true context, you know you know what that was.
1: Yeah, but it's always the end of the world when City don't win. It's the end of the world.
0: Yeah. It's the end of
1: the fucking world. It's kind <laughs> of like, oh my God. You know, and it's just like, hang on I remember right when Liverpool won the title, or well, and they were saying, Oh, they've been the best team in England for the last three years. And I'm like, hang on a minute. No, they are. So if they've been the best team in England for the last three years, presumably we've been the second best. Not how many fucking trophies they've won, but I stopped counting after six. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yes. So, you know, it's like there is, a, there is a kind of Liverpool, Man United, to all the editors and all the people who write these things, they're clearly all Liverpool and United fans. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying there's a bias against City, but there's definitely a bias for Liverpool and United, and you can feel it. But when... You know when Liverpool get beat, it's kind of like brave Liverpool. You know what I mean when they play. You know, but when City get beat, it's a, you know it's like a national
0: disgrace. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly, exactly. I'm you know I'm glad you've seen this because you are really, really sensible. You're a lot more sensible than I could have ever even thought. But like you're seeing <laughs> it exactly for what it is. And you know this this objectively like these have been the best years. You know these are, have been the oh, best yeah. years, and I feel proud to say like I'm a fan now, and it's obviously easier since I've retired. But then also how you mentioned Pep and Barcelona. I think aside from them, some of the football that I've seen from City over these past few years has been as good as that. And I'll remember this for oh. the rest of my life. You know.
1: Breathtaking. Well, there's been, you know, you can crystallise moments like the pass from silver for yeah. the sixth. Yeah. Like the pass of the century. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody's nobody, nobody pulls a ball out of the air like that and nonchalantly just I mean it I've watched that game a thousand times. Mm. And that pass is just like, mate. That is yeah. ridiculous. Different. And then, obviously, Sergio's goal, when he could have gone down, he should have gone down. Yeah. Anybody else would have gone down, took the penalty and put it on someone else. Yeah, And then, uh, you know, I mean, David Silva, <clears throat> that guy, I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, when these players that have bought recently, they all seem like great lads, right? Yeah. My, my, We went to see, when City beat Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final, we were in the, we got... We went to the dressing room afterwards now i I'd, I'd been bigging silver up on some program I don't know what it was and out of the out of the blue he stuck his head around the door and he came up and he gave me a shirt and he said, "Yeah, you can have this, give it to your children because you've always been so nice about me hmm. and I was like, "Oh no I can't believe it and then the day we won the league at Brighton a couple of seasons ago <clears throat> um he wore one shirt in the first half and a different one in the second half and he and, he, and again he gave me the two shirts and I was with my two lads, and he came out. And he got down on his, you know, on his haunches, and he's engaging with them, and he gives them these shirts. And my lads were like gobsmacked, mm. you know. And um, uh, and you know, and let's not start with Vinny because he's just yeah. like, he's like fucking Moses, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and uh, that guy for what he did for the club and for the city is just far mm. out, mm. you know. But they seem to buy great lads, you know what I mean, and not just, you know, um superstars who were just in and out you know what I mean lads who stay and and the fact that silver company all those the lads Sergio stayed for over 10 years yeah that's incredible club I think
0: yeah for sure I think those players what they embody is like a humble excellence you know for city they're bringing them in for like how the what stuff they do on the field but the stuff off the field is just as important yeah. and i'd probably say 90 yeah, yeah, percent yeah. of the time they hit the nail on the head but with that now i want to say thank you for sharing your time with me and it's been as fun as our friend and your lovely photographer sharon said it would be and um, uh it's been an absolute yeah, honor great. speaking with you yeah sharon's sharon shout out to sharon she's like number one she's the best she's the oh, best she's amazing yeah, well,
1: lovely no. to talk to you, mate. And hopefully we'll see you up at the games sometime soon.
0: Yeah, I'd love that. And good luck in the next 10 years. Good luck in the next 10 years right, with the next mate. lot of music. Have a good day, pal. All the best. Cheers. See you
1: Take later. It. Bye. Bye.
0: Right, so there you have it. Number 99, with the icon, that is Noel Gallagher. I want to say thank you again to my best mate, Mr. Morrison, for putting me in touch with Noel's team, as the end product is, without a doubt, one of my favorite episodes to date. And also, thank you for listening, like always. And to all those asking, yes, I will be stopping after episode 100, but there's one person I'd love to be the final guest, but for now, they're proving to be very, very elusive. But you know, so what? They have a story to tell and i'm hoping to be able to share that with you very very soon so be sure to stay tuned thanks again for listening and thank you to producer ryan hill for his stellar work like always goodbye for now